Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Eating While Broke. I'm Colleen Witt, your host. Brought my apron, brought the groceries. Let's go check out Daystorm Power's house. What up? Hey, Show us your home. Hey, come hey. on in. This is for me? Yeah. All right, come on in. Hey, welcome you broke-ass bitches to my home. Eating while broke. I'm going to straight up. We're going to start up in here. Right here, follow me on in here. This is my podcast slash studio room. Um, so you won't get one of these when you're broke. You have to actually start making money, which I decided to do in life. And then I decided to get me a podcast room. So this is where I shoot all of the music and all the podcasts and videos. If we walk over here, inside this door, if I showed you what was in here, I'd have to kill you. So over in here, if you go in here, this was a garage, but I decided to turn this into the set of the retro show. It's really beautiful. I'm shooting my new series, everything retro, everything 80s, 90s, and 2000s happened on the retro show set. Now, most people, they use this room as a garage, but fuck that. Every room in your house has to be usable space. See, this is my illustrious uh, trophy and slash metal case. Uh, by the way, today, actually, I got two new nominations for um, the Streamy Awards. The Streamy Awards is the biggest award show for any type of digital content. I just got two new nominations. That's kind of dope. I got four Streamies. I've been nominated ever since 2013. The Streamies actually used to look like this, y'all. They was shaped like uh, bubblegum wrappers, but they're not like that. This is my Emmy nomination. That's my YouTube when I hit a million back in 2011. Now, as we come into here, this is uh, my dining area, all the artwork. I did that art piece right there. That's my artwork. And as we swing around, as I swing around here, this is my kitchen. And this is where we're going to actually shoot eating while broke in this actual kitchen right here. This is actually an amazing kitchen. I need to do something with it. Now, let me swing on around this way. You have my living room area right here. This area is used a lot. I don't know how big this TV is. I think it's like, I just say, give me a TV that's bigger than me. And I think they, they successfully pulled that off. 
Because when you broke, you don't get none of this stuff. So you get all the shit that you want when you actually become somebody. And I said, if I'm longer than the TV, I don't want it. This is the biggest selfie mirror in the world right here, by the way. I figured I'd just grab one of these and put my hands in. And I don't even like taking pictures. I just have it because I got a lot of female friends and girls like taking pictures. So I got it for them. I don't use it. Actually, 90% of the house I don't use, by the way. So we're going to go upstairs. This is artwork right here by my boy Don Benjamin. Right here, he did the artwork on the wall. This piece of artwork was done by me. Piece of artwork on that room. My, my friend Leanne V did the artwork. We don't say master bedroom anymore because black lives matter and we don't have masters anymore. So this is the premier bedroom. I decided that I was gonna put a chandelier in the bedroom, which was pretty cool. I like colors, designed it all myself. I like the black and white effect that we brought to the room. I think it's really cool. And, uh, and this is my closet. It's, it's a walk-in closet because growing up, I think my closet stopped about here. But now I can actually walk back about 20 feet to actually have a closet with some, some good space. Don't get a big closet because it's actually, I don't even use a lot of the things in here, a lot of the shoes and stuff, but I just don't use it. I got my affirmations, uh, my 12-month goal affirmations on the, on the wall. I got to get $5 million in the bank, grow my Facebook account, see my family and friends more because I don't see them much. I got to sell two projects. I got to release four new songs. I got to reinvest in crypto. I got a lot of things that I have to do. Uh, let me see. Is there anything on here that's believable? I got to get my podcast to 100000 I got to direct four projects. And I got to win an Emmy Award because I only have a nomination there. So that's that's my actual goals on the window. As we work our way to this bathroom here. This bathroom right here is the only bathroom or place in my house that has color. So I decided to make it every color in the rainbow without saying gay. Well, I love gay, but I didn't want it to be gay. I wanted it to be like colorful. You know what I'm saying? And this is what I came up with when I put every color in this bathroom right here. I thought it was pretty damn cool. Then across, adjacent to this, right across from there, you have the uh, theater. So if you step into the theater room, uh, you got to have a theater. So I decided to make this just in case I want to make some premieres or something. So I put a theater upstairs with a couple of shows that I did on the walls there. I thought that was pretty cool. This is a really important room because this room right here is every prop that we pretty much use. I got to needify it, but we have everything from choir outfits to band outfits we have every mask you can think of every color wig that you can think of every hat every top we have cop outfits we have tactical wear we have skeletons everything that you need for any type of comedy sketch that we collected over the years we put them all into this this, this closet right here so that's basically i don't go to party city anymore i just go into this closet if i need something for a sketch i think i'm gonna expand a little more when i get a chance and uh, thanks for coming to my car. Oh, one more thing. When you get a house, you gotta have a book that you can pull that leads you into a club room, right? So this is my, uh, I like to call this the boom boom room. And this is where I, we have the pole and the things that go down whenever you get a home of your own. Yeah, so you gotta have a boom boom room. I didn't even know you had this. I can't believe this, the theater. A secret room? And all I do is push weights in your backyard? Let's you never asked for a tour. Oh I would have been bought you upstairs. I don't even use the rooms in here. I told you I only use 10% of the house. I, 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 we only watch two movies in there. 
I definitely don't use the boom boom room unless someone wants to come in there and spin on the pole. You want to spin on the pole? No, I'm good. I'm good. But I want you to cook us something to eat and tell uh, us some of this behind the scenes of how you acquired all this so uh, I can, you know, maybe house it sometimes. Come on. All right, let's get something to eat. You should have said it to that camera. Though. I thought he said it to that camera. He said this camera. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Eating While Broke. Today, we decided to step outside of the podcast studio and into someone's house. Whose house? They storm power's house. Entrepreneur, social media mogul. Here we are about to eat probably one of the brokest dishes of the season. So the broker the dish, probably the better the story. So the question is, Day Storm. Yeah. What are you gonna have us eating today? I'm gonna have us eating syrup sandwiches. Now there's a science to the syrup sandwich. It has two ingredients. So you have your bread. This is for you. Thank you. This is for me. Thanks and for touching my bread, too. Uh, come on. This is, this, this is, this is We're a, in the hood now, right? Yeah. You know, in a mansion in the hood. We share. And then you have your syrup. <laughs> okay, perfect. And that's it. So you, do you want me to make, make yeah, one? Yeah, make one. Okay, Serve th- me up. This is how you make a syrup sandwich. Here, I thought we would need a whole. Right, you're done. Damn. I'm very impressed with your... Uh... That's it. So now you just fold it. I'll, I'll make me one. Boom. Like that. And you, you, do you do this angle with you? Your... You can, uh, but what I do is I just take it and I just. You oh, know, you fold it in half. And then I fold we don't it get in two half. pieces of bread. No, because you have family. Family has to eat too. Don't be stingy. So <laughs> no, you take it, you fold it in half. <laughs> fold it in half. Got yep. It. And then you, and then you eat it. You eat it Cheers. from the back. You, yeah, you eat it from the back because you got to save the ends for dinner. <laughs> right, so. Is this real? Did you, really, you save the ends for dinner? Yeah. Or you could just peel. You could just peel them off. Some people just like to peel it uh, off. It tastes pretty good because the ends are different. They have a different flavor to them. You know, so you I take mean, the edges, just, and that's like a totally different meal. Maybe if the middle is too sweet, maybe you use it to like well, soften the blow of the sweetness. No, because you, you just take the sweetness. So you can I mean, look it. how. <laughs> <laughs> it puts you in a food coma. So therefore, you don't have to worry about eating until the next day. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a lot. I, I, don't even, I can't believe we should eat this. It's crazy. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know if it's just too much yeah. syrup, but I'm, I'm surprised you made it to, yeah, I'm to just, live. I'm just eating some of my dinner right now. <laughs> <laughs> dinner portion. Okay. So. That's it. Where... Did this dish come from? Like, what happened? What was going on at the time when you guys were consuming dinner ends? I think I think what happens is you run out of food, so um, <laughs> that's that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. No, what? Um, so we ran out of food, and my mother knew someone who worked at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. At most supermarkets around the country, what they do with the bread that they don't use, they throw it out. So because she had to connect, they would throw the bread out behind the supermarket. So we would just go and get the leftover bread. And then the syrup, we could just get that from McDonald's. We could get that from, you know, KFC or any place. Because, you know, they have the little yeah. syrup packets. So you take the syrup packets with the, with the leftover bread, you got yourself a meal. Storm, mm. you were seriously that broke? I was, I mean, yeah. You know. So. How do you come from syrup sandwiches mm. to, please, can I move in with you? <laughs> this house oh. is amazing. Oh, this? This, this is just for the set. This ain't even mine. No. This is definitely yours. <laughs> no, um, uh, a lot, it was just a lot of work, a lot of a lot of faith, a lot of work, and I, I had a plan. I had it all in my head. You so, had a plan, but in that environment, sitting there with your siblings, how many siblings did you have? I have seven siblings, so there's eight of us. And so it was uh, my mother, the eight of us, my two cousins. My cousin had a child. So it was about 13 of us in, in a one-bedroom. So one loaf of bread lasts one meal. 
I would assume. We'll Excluding couple, the dinner. We'll grab a couple of loaves. And if you was no. lucky to get some bagels, bagels last because they're thicker. Mm-hmm. You, know? so you, get, <laughs> you get the bagels. The bagels are more dense. Yeah. So if you get if you get the bagels, you, you're good for two days. What I love about your story is the fact that I can honestly say I was never this broke. Mm. And the fact that in your house, I'm assuming, did you guys see yourselves as poor or broke? No, we was cool. It was cool. We didn't. I, I think. I think it's about who your parent is, right? My mother never let us realize we were broke because she would go to the thrift stores and get us like little puzzles and things to keep us busy while she would work and things. So we would have little odd jobs here and there, and she just kept us busy with what we did. So we never even thought about it being broke until someone like you brought it up. Damn, this was a delicatessen oh, in my sorry. house. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This was the this the new pancake. Disrespect my <laughs> dinner. Um. So what was the last time you ate this dish? Um, no, it's been years. I'm, I'm not even gonna lie. I haven't had I haven't had bread in 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 years. I don't eat bread or rice or or, or any of that. So or you definitely would, don't eat syrup. You would classify this as unhealthy. This is very unhealthy. I don't I don't eat it at all. Okay. No. Once you learn about nutrition, you don't touch this stuff. But oh, okay. back then, you have to survive. You eat. I'd take a whole loaf if I had to. Oh wow! Yeah. So when you're eating this, hmm. you're saying you knew you always had a plan. When did that plan hit you? I think the plan hit me when I, um, me and my brothers, we put it, we had a song that hit the radio in Baltimore and we did in Baltimore, they have their own thing. They have club music, just like DC has go-go music mm-hmm. and Chicago has their own music. So we had made a song and it hit the radio and I knew my mother said, wow, if you can make it here, you can make it anyway, go to New York. And then we do a little party and then I just packed up, you know, the clips that we all pitched in for and I drove to New York. Um, it was scary, but I knew. I knew once I got because I knew this one. I was doing all these drops. I was doing 40, 50 drops for different DJs around the mm-hmm. uh, country. Mm-hmm. This is when the internet was like brand new. Mm-hmm. And then this dude, um, he worked over at I think Bad Boy Records. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Yo, why don't you come out to New York?" And so I said I believed him. So I kind of drove out to New York. I just took the drove. I drove to Harlem. And when I was like eighteen years old, I'm guessing you didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have any money. So you drive there. You have enough to pay for gas. I had enough to pay for gas. And um, so when I got there, um, there was this website called sublet.com. Mm-hmm. So on sublet.com, I was leasing out this crackhead's bedroom. <laughs> she was, no, she was a crackhead in Harlem. <laughs> and she would lease out a bedroom, but she had a pimp. So eventually I wasn't able to pay his rent. So the pimp came to the door and he kicked me out of her apartment. So then I eventually I had to live in my car. So then for I'm my sorry, car, I, I, I was, I, and I was singing in the subway for money. So, you know, in New York, yeah, you yeah. know, you, yep, sing it, I know you know, the, I know the hustle. Yeah. So I was singing the subway and rapping the subway. So they would put money in my hat. Mm-hmm. So that I, I, and I would use that money to eat and to pay for gas because I needed heat and to heat yeah. the car because it was the winter time. Yeah. And winters in New York, you're no joke. Oh, it's terrible. So did you ever apply at some point of desperate measures? I always think this as a homeless person, like in New York, I'm like, yo, I'm going to just try to go to jail for the winter. Maybe. I didn't. No. <laughs> no, because I, I had to be free so I can kind of, <laughs> so I can kind of like make moves, make moves, make moves. So to so make moves. So because uh, I was working at Red Lobster as well. Mm-hmm. I was working at Red Lobster Times Square the first year that it opened up because I had a job. at Red, I had 30 jobs, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, and one of my jobs was Red Lobster when I was in Maryland, Baltimore. And they transferred my my job over to New York, but oh. I lost that job the first week I was there. Why? Because I had uh, braids in my hair, and uh, the manager was racist. Oh. Yeah, so short he, and sweet. You were like, I'm not cutting my braids. I was like, I'm no. I was, you know, yeah, I couldn't. You, you know, yeah. we all read the Bible. You can't cut your hair. That's your power. So no, yeah, I, I didn't cut my hair, and um, I lost my job at Red Lobster that year. And um, with my last check, I bought uh, an amp. 
I bought that microphone. I bought two outfits because, you know, in New York, you have to look good. Mm-hmm. I bought the two outfits. I bought um, some tents for the windows of the mm-hmm. car that I had. Mm-hmm. And um, what else? Oh, and I bought some CDs. So okay. I burned all my demos onto CDs. I tinted the windows on my car myself. Mm-hmm. I bought the amp and the keyboard so I could sing in the subways. Mm-hmm. And I bought the two outfits so I could look good. So you were prepared. I was prepared. Oh, and I paid my cell phone bill for two months because I said, if I don't do this in 60 days, my mama going to kill me. Wow. So she would call me and I'm like, yeah, mom, with Diddy right now. I didn't even know Diddy. <laughs> you just didn't want to stress her out. Didn't want to stress her out because she had other um, things to take care of. So mm-hmm. I told her I was killing in New York. I was homeless. Wow. So I'm in New York singing in the subways and everything. Then one day I came home and my car was burned down. I guess had an electrical fire or something mm-hmm. like that. Everything that I owned was in that car. So eventually mm-hmm. I had to actually live in the subway stations. And mm-hmm. I had to do that for about 45 days or so. Damn, that must have been tough. It, it, at it, it that point, bad. did you at least think... Mm, maybe it's time to go pack up and go back to Baltimore. Yeah, I did. Um, and, and, and when I got to the moment where I thought I'd go back to Baltimore, I remember I had these bags around my feet and I was walking through the snow and I was like, damn, I'm going to call my brother and tell him I didn't make it in New York, mm-hmm. even though I was lying to them the whole time. Mm-hmm. So when I went to make a telephone call to call my brother, I'm calling him up. And I remember when I was singing in the subway, people would give me their cards and stuff. Mm-hmm. So when I went to make the call, one of the cards that they gave me fall in the snow. I pick up wow. the card and I'm like, should I call and I'm on this card or should I, uh, or should I just um, call my brother? I said, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to call the number on the card. I'm already here. So I call the number on the card and this Dominican girl answers the phone. It's like, oh my goodness. Oh my God. Yo, yo, my boss loves your demo. It's dope. You, and I'm, I'm lying to her. I was like, well, if your boss love my demo, tell him he can pull up on me right now. Cause I got these interviews at Universal Records. I was lying. But I could <laughs> tell by her enthusiasm that she was serious. Yeah. So she said, no, no, let me put him on the phone. So she put Jonathan on the phone. He gets on the phone. He's like, yo, they storm. I love your shit, man. Why don't you come on down to my, my, my joint? And I was like. Yeah, I'll come down there right now. He was like, no, I'm going to the Hamptons. And I was like, well, you know, I got these meetings over at Jake Records. Mm -hmm. I'm lying again. Mm -hmm. He was like, no, come down here right now. I didn't have money to get on the subway. So I jumped the turnstile. I caught the train down to the Lower East Side. And when I get to his place, he had plaques all over his walls and everything. He's like, yo, man, I can get you drops on MTV, VH1, BET. I can get you to write for these artists. And I knew he was serious because of the work that he had around. I was like, all right, look, I'm going to be honest with you, Jonathan. Look, um... I'm broke. I've been living on the street for like 45 days. Or did so. you at least show up with a bag or you, no, you left I had, the bag what, on the corners? No. So, so what I did, I used to shower in Macy's. So I would take a shower in Macy's and, and then How I How did you shower in Macy's? Because you go to the sinks. You know, they got oh. to go in the sink. You, you know, you clean up or whatever. Oh, and man. then I would, you know, with a little bit of money I made, sometimes I buy stuff. Or I just use the five finger discount oh. and just, you know, get a couple of t-shirts or whatever. And then do what I had to do uh. to get new outfits. So I look fresh. So he okay. was like, no, nah, you look good. I was like, nah, I've been on the streets because, you know, you yeah. got to look good. So then he, I was like, look, I'll be honest with you. If you can, if you cut me a check right now, I'll work for you mm-hmm. and you get me off the streets or whatever and I'll give you what you need. So he cut me a check and I, eventually I went from my hostel to an apartment mm-hmm. to um, a loft to, you know, working my way up. And okay. then I started getting placements on VH1, MTV. Then I worked over at Universal, went to J Records. From J, I went to Atlantic. I met Whitney Houston at J Records under Jeff Finster. Yeah, it was still. Um, wrote three songs that she never used, by the way. Um, then I went over Atlantic Records. Did you at least get to hear them? I got to meet her and everything. Yeah, she sang. She started. She's, she, what? She, I, met, I met her and everything. Yeah, it was dope. Um, so uh, then from there, I went over to uh, Atlantic Records, mm-hmm. where I wrote for a few artists. I was a ghostwriter over there for about two years. And then um, I uh, 
the music slow started to slow down because back then you were a ghostwriter. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I all the while I was running track and things like that. So I got my certifications from um, pre postnatal. I got my ACSM. I got my NASM. NASM these are all uh, physical personal trainer certifications. So, so you I, were always hustling. Yeah, hustling, I was a personal hustling. trainer on the side just mm-hmm. in case the music wasn't selling. So then I started a boot camp in Brooklyn. And I would train like 50 to 100 people in the park, in Brooklyn Park. Okay. And I was working at Crunch Fitness, New York Sports Club. Wow. And I was just doing different jobs in New York so that I can kind of build my uh, empire. Wow. What's the craziest job you've ever had? Um, I, was a, I was a stripper for a while um, when I was in college. and then, But I would say the craziest job, I was an escort. So That was crazy. <laughs> Because I did demolition, construction, telemarketing. Um, I had about 30 jobs. So. so I have to circle back to the escorting. Like, what's the craziest escorting story? Do you have one? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I was an escort, uh, it was a lot of, it was a bunch of old, rich, white women, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to like, can I curse? Curse. Go okay. Ahead. So they didn't want to fuck you, right? They just <laughs> wanted to kind of like just have company, right? They okay. just wanted good company. I didn't really sleep with the clients or whatever. And my pimp was like this girl. She was like 19 or whatever. And she was like, you know, she was <laughs> Your like- Your pimp was a girl? Yeah, yeah. She was making sure we worked. She was my friend. I just called okay. her my pimp. Away. Okay. And she was making sure that we had work. So I went to this one woman's house and I guess she was about 60. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I was so young. I was young back then. She was like 50s, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. She felt old. And um, uh, when I when I got to her house- she um she was like, yo, your outfit's upstairs in the closet. And I was like, my outfit's upstairs in the closet. So she was like, yeah. So she was sitting there with her wine in her hands. She's sitting back like this and shit. And I'm like, yo, what do you mean your outfit's upstairs in the closet? And then she's like, go upstairs in the, in the closet and get your outfit. So I goes up to the top of the stairs. She lived in this mansion or shit. So I get up to the top of the stairs. And when I opened the closet or whatever, there was a panda outfit. So I had to wear a panda outfit <laughs> with the... <laughs> It was so fucked up. So I had to wear a panda outfit with the midsection gone. So it's like my dick's out and I'm just like standing there, just like dancing in front of her. You know what I'm saying? Like, and she's just sitting up there just enjoying it. Like, yeah, my husband doesn't have one of those. And then she was just like, man, dingo. And it was like, uh, it was was a a thing. Was that like one of your last escort sessions? No, no. I, I think my last one was after this woman blindfolded me. And then, so I see her at the door and she puts a blindfold on me. I turn around and walk backwards into her house and shit. And then she lays down, lays me down on the bed. She starts reading me like children's stories and shit. Oh, yeah. I think that would be my last one. I was, I, I was, I was really, you know, so. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. 
Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So how do you go from all these experiences and hitting these little bumps, side hustling, and still saying, okay, I'm going to keep going? Motivation. You know, like I, I think what motivated me was seeing what my mother went through. And I'm like, if she could take care of like 12 people. And she didn't complain once. I've never seen someone ever not complain like this woman. And she loved life. She would just have fun. Well, we're going to have fun. All of us is going to go out. She never was like, oh, my God, the bills are not paid. And we were moving. I went to five elementary schools, four middle schools, two wow. high schools. So you got to think, we were getting evicted so mm-hmm. much growing up. I mean, And I, you never knew. I never knew. I dropped out of school in ninth grade. Wow. I didn't even finish high school. I didn't do wow. 10th, 11th, and 12th. I went back to go to college when I got my GED mm-hmm. and I got a free ride because I was a, a sprinter. Mm-hmm. But I never even finished high school. I, don't even, I never even did prom or anything. But she, wow. we were getting evicted the whole time. And we thought that we would just move into a better place. She's like, we moving again, y'all. Yeah, we're about to move. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we moving again. Let's go. She made it wow. a moment instead of making it the opposite. Because most people will take that experience and be like, oh, man, we're getting kicked out. She's like, we get to go and get some new walls to draw on. Because every time we get a new place, I draw murals on the wall. I was an artist. Wow. Like all the paintings in my house, I did most of the paintings in the wow. house. Like that one, the one behind us, all these paintings I did. My mother knew that I loved art. And she, she just said, just draw on the walls. We're going to be out here in a few months anyway. So I would draw murals on the walls. And eventually that paid off because by the time I was 16, 17 years old, I would get a few hundred bucks, maybe a thousand bucks here and there to actually draw in churches and in mosques and synagogues to draw like, you know, the Last Supper and things on walls and things. So all that kind of like just growing up, she would keep us busy and active with what we did. So we never, like, we would build forts, you know, like, well, mom, we ain't got no furniture. She was like, well, brought you sheets, just build forts, you know? So we would do, she would, she was just 
clever. She was the perfect like mother, you know? So I always through life, I just be like, I'm gonna figure it out. I don't care what goes wrong. I'm gonna look at what goes right. And then I'm gonna figure out how to make it work. You know, no matter who I'm with, whether I'm, I mean, I've injured myself, this, that, and other. I remember when I broke my knee and a doctor told me, he said, you'll never even walk properly again. And you've seen me, you work out with me. I'm jumping, sprinting, dunking basketball. Nobody wants to work out with you. (laughs) I don't let people tell me no, you know? So when she, she was, she had that same attitude. And although she didn't have the business mind behind it, like I do have, she had the attitude that lets you know that I'm, we're going to be unstoppable, you know? And I think that's very important. So now you've been around as an entrepreneur and a social media mogul forever. It seems, I feel like every time a new platform comes out, you're like so versatile. You literally, I, I, for lack of a better word, I feel like you birthed millionaires. Like everyone in your circle, you played a tremendous role in their success. So my question is, is how are you able to keep keep transitioning every time something new new happens? Them. So I know I'm getting older, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm damn near 40. So like what so what what I'm gonna do is I find new people, new talent, and then they're gonna keep your name alive. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. almost like the, the gospel. Mm-hmm. If people continue to talk about Jesus, Jesus is going to remain Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, So I look at it like that every time I find someone new that's talented. I don't want to be your manager. I don't want to be your agent. Yeah. If we're cool and we get along, I'm your friend. Yeah. And it's a real friendship. You know what I'm saying? I don't want anything from you. In return, I already know that if you, I create a real friendship and I've made more millionaires than a lot of did, like Jay-Z said, right? Yeah. That's just what it is. So Tons of millionaires. And what I do is, if they're my friends, people are going to have interviews with these successful people. They're going to sit at Eating Wild Broke, and they're going to be like, dang, you were like, yeah, how did you get your start? They're like, oh, yeah, Dave Storm helped yeah. me out. You know, he was the person that kind of helped me get into it. So they keep my name alive. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if you're managing someone, take it 20%, right? I can't afford their rates anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. technically I could, but I'm not going to pay them hundreds of thousand dollars no. to post, right? No. They're going to post about it for free. If I come out with a food company, if I come out with a clothing brand, if I come out with new music, all my friends that have helped become successful, they're going to show love because I showed them love. Now, how are you able to, like, when you look at how many platforms you transitioned from, you went from YouTube I to I started Vine, on MySpace. MySpace, yeah. YouTube. To YouTube. Vine to Vine to Instagram to Instagram to, to Facebook t- to Facebook to, to TikTok yeah but you remain I would like to say in the world of like boxing it would be like you remain undefeated you're always at the top how are you able to transition and choose the platform I, I think I think what it is is a lot of people don't realize that there's a different audience on every platform mm-hmm. and although I'm not the biggest on any platform um one of the best on every platform, if that makes sense. And so, you're the most consistent. And I try to stay consistent, mm-hmm. right? Because on every platform, there's a different audience. Like my YouTube audience don't even know that I do. They know me for my music. They don't even know that I do comedy sketches. I'll do comedy sketches. They're like, this shit is terrible. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yo, I've been doing this for years, bro. So when I realized that years ago, I said, they're not coming out of YouTube. Mm-hmm. The people like Instagram are not leaving Instagram because people are lazy. They're not yeah. going to leave that platform. So I said, well, then I'm just going to have to grow in every platform. So I'll just make sure I grow in Facebook. I'll make sure I grow in Instagram. I'll make sure I grow in YouTube. And sometimes I'll just 
cross-reference and just put the same content on some. But for the most part, I try to say, what's the best thing I need to do for YouTube? Mm -hmm. What's the best thing I need to do for Facebook? What's the best thing I need to do for Instagram? Because they're different worlds. My YouTube content is not like my Instagram content because YouTube is more of a cult following of the Mm -hmm. people that really like involved. Instagram is more like universal. You just have everybody there. Facebook is like more family oriented, Mm -hmm. right? It's like that's the people's from back in school and everything. So once you learn who the audience is, you make the content for the audience. And how are you able to depict that? Like, say, for instance, let's choose Vine. Mm. Okay. How are you able... You you killed Vine, and I know there's an amazing backstory that you know I want everybody to hear about. Um, But you killed Vine. But how are you able to pinpoint that audience and cultivate an amazing, elite group of talented individuals? Well, I think for me, it was was high schoolers. Juniors and seniors are the people who decide what's dope. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anyone says. That's, I agree that's, with that. That's how I 100% I, agree because with Because you that. have to understand, freshmen and sophomores want to be like juniors and seniors. Mm-hmm. Once, once you're finished being a senior in high school, you go to college and life hits you. You have to get a job. You have to do that. You have to do the other. When you're in middle school, you're still trying to figure shit out. Mm-hmm. Elementary school doesn't really count. Mm-hmm. And once you're grown, you don't really count. You're just doing what's hot. Yeah. But when you're a junior and you're a senior in high school, that's the moment of life when everything is just cool. You're just doing it because it's fucking cool. You don't care. You don't really have too many responsibilities. You do, but you don't, right? So I see what the juniors and seniors is on. When Vine came out, I was like, you know, at the time, you know, I was like, oh my God, like the kids are really on, you know, know, they're on this app, not just because it's popular, but because it's cool. They just love fucking using it. So whenever they're doing, I'm like, all right, I got to kind of like get involved and see what they're on. Yeah. So... I would say that juniors and seniors, to me, are a tricky audience because unlike elementary kids that just buy into whatever Elmo, whatever you put in front of them, right. middle schoolers that are still trying to figure it out, yeah. and then everybody else that's looking up to the juniors and seniors, juniors and seniors kind of know their power. They know their and they're power. like, don't try to sell me this. Right. I'm going to find the crack and the cooey and the Jay-Z under the rock. And the, they the, find the new artists. Yeah. yeah. They're like the yeah. Nike. Like Nike always signs someone before they mm-hmm. pop. They're like, oh, yeah. right before you pop, here's this here's check. You, get, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I feel like, how are you able to say this is the platform that the juniors and seniors are going to buy into? Do you wait like a couple of weeks? Because you're on it always no, ahead of time. Um, you you kind of can feel it, especially if you've been doing something for a while. I think one thing that I've been blessed with is the knack to know if someone's dope. Mm-hmm. I, I, I rarely fail when I see talent. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, you don't see no talent. How do you see talent in that person? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just... Whether And it's not just the talent to sing or rap or dance or have a specific skill set. It's the talent, the most, I feel, the hardest talent in the world is keeping people's attention. So, like, if you look at the Kardashians, for example, I think they're very talented because a lot of people can't keep people's attention for a decade. Mm-hmm. Just people watching you. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's very difficult to do. Although a lot of people may say, oh, my God, they don't do nothing. Yes, they do. They got millions of people just watching you. You know how hard it is to have people just want to see what you do? Yeah. And that's a talent in itself. And they did it for a long time. For, forever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Literally. So, and here I thought it was the asses. No, it's, it, the asses it was there. The and there's ass everywhere, right? Yeah. There's ass on Instagram. There's yeah. ass on YouTube. There's ass. There's free ass on Pornhub, mm-hmm. right? So it can't be just the ass, no. right? So it's, a, it's more than that. To be able to keep people's attention. Mm-hmm. So I see that in people and I'm like, wow, this person can keep my attention because I have a very, very short attention span. Okay. So if someone keeps my attention, I'm like, oh, I'm God. Then they have, a, they have it. Okay. And then if you have an ability to come along with it, whether you sing or dance or rap or, or speak or, or, or anything, yeah. then you're just doubling down on, on you're going to be a star. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's what it is. 
So, I know we got to wrap up soon. Okay. I have to hit you with this. Oh, boy. When it comes to Vine, okay, mm. I want to hear the rise and the fall. Now, we're friends. I've heard, you know, some of the behind the scenes when it came to Vine, but I would love it if you could share how one misstep on Vine's behalf took down an entire platform. So with Vine, um, one thing that we did was I was I was I was before I was before the times when it comes to short form comedy and sketches. I was doing short form sketches on YouTube, like really short form, and no one wanted to accept it. It was like this is whack. No one wants to do this. Get out of here. And I remember my company failed, and we lost millions of dollars. I mean, the company just flopped. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, like what am I going to do? But I had already had a lot of people looking up to me, like. You know, uh, it's like, this is what, you know, we looked up to you. We, we have a company. It was called Forefront TV. Mm -hmm. And we had like Batch and we had like, you know, the whole squad was good. And yeah. Paige Kennedy and all, the, all of the guys, mostly the black and brown creators who that you see today on mm -hmm. the internet. And But I was the president of the company and I kind of felt like I failed them. And one day I think I saw Kevin Hart on, mm -hmm. um, on Vine and mm -hmm. he wasn't on comedy sketches or anything, but it was an app that people would do short selfies to let you know where they were type thing. Oh, okay. Hey guys, I'm out here. This is where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I was like, yo, suppose we do a sketch mm -hmm. in six seconds on the platform. Which so, would be almost impossible. Which is impossible yeah. to do. <laughs> I said, then everybody would watch it and, mm -hmm. and it'll be something that's different for the world. Mm -hmm. So I remember me, Badge, my boy Kane and Simone Shepard. We did the first actual sketch mm -hmm. on Vine, wow. and it went super viral. Mm -hmm. Like, Worldstar picked it up, a whole bunch of other places picked it up, but we did, like, a sketch. So then we called ourselves Viners, which mm -hmm. wasn't a phrase yet. It was mm -hmm. like, yo, we out here Vining with the L.A. Viners. So yeah. then Detroit got involved in New York and, um, you know, Philly and Florida, and then it became, Vining became a thing that yeah. we kind of created. So we, we started Vining, and then from there... The problem was, as we grew on Vine, we had millions and millions and millions of fans. And I remember even Batchett broke a Guinness World Record for the most followers. And Guinness gave him a plaque or something, right? <laughs> and then uh, what happened was I went to Karen over mm -hmm. at Vine. It's funny, her name's Karen. And I said, uh, <laughs> Karen, because on Vine, what happens if enough kids flag your content, yeah. it automatically gets pulled down. Oh. So I emailed Karen. I said, Karen, we're the biggest Viners in the world. And these kids are pulling down our content, and then it's not inappropriate. It's appropriate content, but they're haters pulling down our content. Mm -hmm. We just want an email from you guys so that we can contact you and let you know this is our content getting pulled down. Can you put it back up? Because we lose our momentum. And this is our job. Mm -hmm. Companies are coming to us, paying us six figures to, mm -hmm. to post vines. Maybe yeah. we give us $100,000 for one vine. Just so they can have like a background in it or something? No, no. Companies like begging yeah, but and like, stuff like that. They would just pay you for what though? To, 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 to create to, a six to, second? To create a six second vibe wow. for their company. Wow. Whether it was, you know, Badu or just mm -hmm. different companies that was big at the time would just pay us. Like here's $50,000. Give us six seconds. Here's $100,000. Give us six seconds. It was just one of those wow. type of things, right? And at this point, they didn't want to give us that. And we said, we also want one more thing. We want to be the link out to our other accounts. So whether it be YouTube, Facebook or whatever. They said no. So I was like, well, we are the, you know, 99% of the people are coming to watch us. We're the reason the, the apps are live. She said, you're the 1%. There's 99 other percent of people using our platform and you are the 1%. We're not going to do that for you. I said, well, suppose I told the 1% to walk. Well, then what are you going to do? Well, you tell the 1% to walk. We still got our 99%. Oh. So I said, all right, <laughs> bitch. I'm going to call the 1%. 
So I called up, you know, uh, about a hundred of the top creators in the world mm-hmm. on Vine at the time. And I said, oh, we, we're not going to do this no more. Let's go and walk and go over to Instagram. I got 15 seconds anyway. So, <laughs> so we dipped. And when we dipped, I think the company... They got 15 seconds anyways. Yeah. So I, when we dipped, the company um, lost about 60% of their profit in a, like in, within a week. I mean, Vine Jeez. crashed. I mean, you can look it wow, up. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They, I remember. They lost a couple hundred fell off. million dollars. Yeah. So they like fell off. Mm-hmm. So then Karen calls me up. Hey, hey, thanks for hi. Um, can I have a meeting with you guys? You know what I'm saying? I, so we appropriately met with Karen on at 1600 Vine Street, which is where a lot of the Viners stay. Hilarious. Hilariously. Um, and we sat in a conference room, myself with 20 other Viners. And I told Karen that day, I was like, look, you know, if we want to continue to use your platform, I want you, I want you to pay everybody in the room, you know, a million dollars. And I want $2 million for, my, for pain and suffering. <laughs> so um, uh, they agreed to pay all the viners in the room the money. Mm-hmm. And we were supposed to post two vines a, uh, a week mm-hmm. to get the numbers back up. But someone in the room at the time told 15 others about oh, the deal. And those 15 others wanted monies too. It was like, we don't have $45 million. We got 20. Mm-hmm. So they wasn't able to pay. So no one ever went back to Vine and Vine died. Damn. Damn, Karen. So at one point, you you did mention that like you were... You, you were a millionaire, you had success, and then at one point you lost. Twice. twice. I went bankrupt twice. I, I remember I remember one time I had like $7 million in my account, and then I went down like 700 and or 7000 I think. What like are you that. thinking at that time? Um, I was like, yo, I'm not as broke as I was when I was in New York, mm-hmm. so I could get it back again. It was more money oh. than I had. It's more money than I had when I was living in the subway. Wow. So I was like, I, I know the blueprint. I just got to figure it out and not make the same mistakes. You know how, like, you fix a movie cube, you make it no long No part term. of you was like, maybe this is my time to... Be broke? Yeah. No. I've not been, once. Because I've been broke. You weren't embarrassed? No. Like, oh, I'm going to go from uh, living in the in the hills to, hey, can no. I sleep on your couch? I wasn't because um, I think what people have to realize is, like, when you look at success and, and, and becoming successful, you ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen if you take this chance? And the worst thing that can happen is you go back to where you were. And I was already there. Syrup sandwiches. Right. So and, already, and your mom didn't make it seem painful either. Right. So I've already been here. So yeah. how can I be afraid of something that I've already seen? You know okay. what I'm saying? It's like someone trying to shock you and you, you, you're surprised. And then they try to do it again. It's like, oh, yeah, I already know you're going to be right there. Yeah. So I'm not shocked. I just got to figure out how to get around this obstacle so that I can move forward. There's times where I go through financial problems like everyone does. You know, mm-hmm. I, no matter what scale or level you are, you're going to see financial hardships because you have finance, you have the franchise tax board, you have yeah. the IRS, oh. you have things you invest in that don't yeah. go well. I've made many invest because in order to continue to be successful, we have to make big investments and take big chances. Yeah. That's just what it is. You can't be safe. So mm-hmm. time, if I'm taking a big chance and I've invested a million dollars into something and it doesn't come through, it's like, oh shit, now what am I going to do? Now yeah. I got to figure it out. I, I wasn't afraid. No. So closing out, like what are some like pieces of advice or maybe some golden nuggets that either carried you through or that you would give to someone that doesn't get the opportunity to meet you and get your blessing of support in person? I think the most important thing for most people is consistency. You have to be consistent because there are going to be people, friends, family, people in your life that just don't believe in your dream. Mm-hmm. You just, they just won't. And the crazier your dream, the more successful you'll be. There's times where, where I dream big, but I didn't even dream big enough. Like when I got the Emmy nomination, for example, I, I remember standing in the CVS with What's Good, and then he was like, yo. I said, yo, I'm going to get an Emmy nomination next year. He said, you don't even do TV content. I said, I'm going to get it off the internet. He mm-hmm. said, really? I said, yeah, we'll figure it out. 
And I got the nomination and I punched myself because I didn't ask for the actual win. I only asked for the nomination, which oh. is what I got. So I think you have to ask for the biggest things in life. And when you ask for those things, they'll come to you. You just got to figure out how to get there. Consistency is key. You have to believe it wholeheartedly yourself. Because if you don't believe it and you're doubting yourself, I never put negative shit out into the atmosphere. Damn, I'm I always. Do that all the time. I get you, scared. You can't. You can't get scared. I get scared. You can't. But why? Because again, what's the worst thing that happened? You back to serve sandwiches. sandwiches. And this is not that expensive. No, you good. It was the cheapest dish on the episode. So con- consistency is, is key. And just finding your lane and, stop, and, and, and not doing what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know my lane. I could have went other routes once I got successful. But I said, why not just stay in my lane? Yeah. You know? So. I love it. I love it. I think you're a blessing to this community. I think you're a blessing to so many young people. Um, the fact that you take your time. And I, as a personal friend, you know, I come to your workouts I'm always, the la- <laughs> I'm always the last one putting behind. Nah, you work, you work, you work. You pull um, up. But the fact that you take time and you just you look past, you don't look at someone for their wallet or, you know, their background. You're just like, come as you are. And you Joe Jackson, they ass a little bit. I you do. know, <laughs> you Joe Jackson, they ass. Sometimes you need that. So you need yeah. somebody to kick your ass. At the end of the day, you're getting, you're moving forward. Yeah. Aren't yeah. you? I mean, yeah. you was fit as fuck the last time. Yeah. You were- I showed up roly poly and walked away like 30 pounds lighter last time. Yep. I produced a whole baby. And now I'm small again, thanks to you. It's work. I mean, I'm gonna cuss you out every day, but every day, every day. But you're gonna call. You're gonna keep showing up. I'm gonna keep showing up. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you opening up your home, letting us tour your home. Yep. And uh, hopefully, you know, one day when you're out of town, you know, maybe I can house it. You never know. You never know. Never people. know. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm gonna buy the house next door and then put a, a, a tunnel that leads from the walkway over to that house. I hope to get there. I really hope all my subscribers can support, share their meal on Eating While Broke at Eating While Broke, and hopefully inspire me to somehow figure out how to move next door into Daystorm's house without him knowing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just called the cops. <laughs> no, Thanks, Karen. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's- <laughs> For more Eating While Broke from iHeartRadio and The Black Effect, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Eating while broke. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.